We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Thank you so much for tuning into Weird Distractions Podcast. This is a weekly show where I, your host Alex, rotate discussing true crime cases, paranormal hotspots, eerie folklore tales, urban legends, and conspiracy theories to provide you, and more than likely what the creator of Lolly Cake would consider a weird distraction from everyday life. This week surrounds another paranormal case. However, unlike last week's, this time it's out of North America. Actually, it's quite considerably far from North America. Before we take off with the episode, I'm going to cover a little bit of housekeeping and then I'll fill you all in on what I need a distraction from. In terms of housekeeping, just want to do a little reminder that last Sunday I released an even weirder episode over on Patreon surrounding the heinous crimes of Rolf Harris. If you're interested in tuning in and have a few dollars a month that you want to give to support the show, check out www.patreon.com slash weirddistractionspodcast. Over on Patreon, you'll find early access to episodes, ad-free episodes, you'll find the travel blog I do called Weird Destinations. There's a bunch of stuff over there. Patreon's been going since January 2021, so there's quite a bit of content, so if you're needing more distractions, definitely recommend checking it out. Even if you just want to hop on and support the show for a month, whatever you can do is always appreciated. My need for a distraction this week is just I've been getting a lack of sleep lately and I'm feeling it. I don't know, the older I get, the more I really require that eight plus plus hours of sleep a night. And so that's kind of it for a distraction. I know there's a lot going on with the Ocean Gate stuff that that's interesting and a lot to digest. And originally that was going to be my need for a distraction, but it's so complex. And to be honest, I've just fallen into that side of TikTok and Facebook and Instagram. So even if I want a distraction from it, I'm not going to get a distraction from it. With that said, let's get into this week's episode. I kept saying I would try and cover more cases out of the United States for weird distractions, and finally, I have stayed true to my word. This week, I am taking us to New Zealand, hypothetically, of course, to chat about the history, occult observations, and the haunts of Larnick Castle. It's been a hot minute since I covered a distraction from New Zealand, with the last one being episode 71, when former co-host Christy and I chatted about King Seat Hospital. The question today will be, is Larnack Castle more haunted than King Seat? Due to potential coarse language, mentions of suicide, and other disturbing adult themes that could be discussed today, listener discretion is advised. The funny thing about Larnick Castle is that it really wasn't intended to be a, quote, castle, but rather it was a family home that was so marvelous it was described by the press as a castle. This fancy dwelling, located within Tago Peninsula near the city of Dunedin, New Zealand, would serve as the home of William James Muddy Larnick and his family. For reference, Dunedin is apparently the second largest city of the country, 
and is almost 15 hours south of the country's capital of Wellington. I do have to step away from the location and focus on one of the location's main characters, being William Larnick, who was born on January 27th of 1833 within New South Wales, Australia. William would grow on to work at the Bank of New South Wales sometime in 1850, where he would become a manager of two more bank branches within Victoria. He eventually would resign his position in 1866 and accepted a general manager position of the Bank of Otago in Dunedin, New Zealand, according to the T-Arrow website. I'm not sure if he always wanted to relocate or if it was just simply more so motivated by the job. Regardless, William left his home country of Australia to New Zealand. The Bank of Otago was reportedly smaller in comparison to the other banks he worked at and was also facing some difficulties. Alas, William was sad that he was going to turn it around, which was probably his ego talking since he had friends and family in high places. I say this because, for example, William was once reportedly friends with a man named W.J.T. Clark of Melbourne, who was mentioned as one of the richest men in Australia around that time. William's uncle was also Donald Larnock. And if you're like me and you're like, okay, that's great. Who's Donald? Donald was a director and manager at a London location of the Bank of New South Wales. Needless to say, William's inner circle and family members were financially and socially pretty powerful for the time being. Speaking of his inner circle a little bit further, on June 21st of 1859 at Brighton, Melbourne, William married his first wife, Eliza. Some accounts, including Find a Grave, state that her name was actually Elizabeth. I'll just be referencing her as Eliza moving forward since that's how she has been referred to in the majority of the resources I came across for today's episode. The couple would go on to have six children, Donald, Douglas, Kate, Colleen, Alice, and Gladys. Some accounts claim that Eliza's half-sister, Mary, resided with the family as well when she was a child, which I'll be circling back to Mary in the future, so don't forget about Mary. In 1870, William and Eliza purchased a block of land in the Otago Peninsula for their future home, with construction following the next year in 1871. Three years later, the family finally moved into the home by 1874, with accounts claiming locals were referring to the home of Eliza and William as the quote-unquote Larnick Castle in December of that year. According to numerous resources I came across, approximately 200 men spent three years building the shell of the castle, followed by 12 some-odd European craftsmen spending an additional 12 years embellishing the interior. The home became a harbor of blood, sweat, tears, love, hope, money, and utter elegance. And a direct quote from the Larnet Castle website pertaining to just how elegant this place is, quote, Materials from all over the world were used. Marble from Italy, slate from Wales, floor tiles from England, glass from Venice and France. No expense was spared in creating Larnick's dream home. Many New Zealand native woods were also used. Karari ceilings, remu floors, and honeysuckle paneling. End quote. By 1887, a 3,000-square-foot ballroom was added, and apparently it was a 21st birthday present for Larnick's eldest and reportedly favored daughter, Kate. In terms of the final product of what William referred to as the camp, the home included 43 rooms on 35 acres reserved for grounds, including a vinery and a home farm for its own farmstead, including a cow shed for 300 cows. On top of that, obviously it had stables and apparently it had quarters 
Congress for its, quote, farm workers. It's all very bougie, and it tracks given William's career, because not only was he into banking, but he was also into politics. I won't get into the deep details of his political endeavors since that doesn't necessarily pertain to the weirdness of Larnet Castle. However, I will say he was active as the Minister of Mining, the Minister of Marine, whatever that is, I'm assuming it's just like marine stuff, a colonial treasurer, a member of the New Zealand Parliament for Topeka, the city of Dunedin, and for Otago Electorate between December 1875 to January of 1885. William and his family were well off financially and socially, but things would slowly begin to crumble for the Larnicks. For example, the Larnick family was sideswiped by the death of Eliza in 1880. She reportedly succumbed to a stroke and was only 38 years old when she died. Accounts claim that William didn't remain single for long after Eliza's death, which that statement isn't out of judgment by any means, it's more so just informative. Grief affects everyone very differently, and so when he dealt with the loss of Eliza, he became closer with her half-sister, Mary. Remember Mary from earlier? She was the one who had been named in some resources as apparently living with William and Eliza. Well, the two got married on January 7th of 1882 at Warrington near Dunedin. Accounts claim that William's children weren't super thrilled about their dad marrying their half Aunt. Unfortunately, Mary's time on this floating rock would also be short-lived, as she reportedly died due to blood poisoning in 1887. Weirdly enough, online reports claim that Mary died at age 38, the same as her half-sister, Eliza. I'm not certain if Mary also died from a stroke just like her sister, but it's definitely very weird to say the least that they both died at the same age. Mind you, it's also the 1800s, so people would die with paper cuts. Not actually, but probably. William did not get off the saddles of love, though, and he reportedly found love in a younger counterpart. On William's 58th birthday in 1891, he would go on to marry his third and final wife, a woman named Constance de Bath Brandon, the daughter of a Wellington solicitor. The age gap between William and Constance, for anyone wanting that hot tea, was approximately 23 years. The couple were definitely the Michael Douglas and Catherine Zeta-Jones of their era. Now back to the old tragic train, William would lose another love of his life that shook him to the core. William and Eliza's daughter, Kate, the one who was gifted the ballroom, tragically died in her late 20s sometime in 1891. I'm not sure how she died, the resources just claim that she just died suddenly. If that wasn't horrible enough, William began hearing whispers on the streets about his son and his third wife, Constance. The rumor mill was pumping out claims that one of William's sons was having an affair with Constance. To explain more, here's a direct quote from the New Zealand Herald website, quote, Already teetering on the brink of bankruptcy and inconsolable after the death of favorite daughter Kate, he, being William, opened a letter which contained news of his adored wife's affair with his son, Douglas, end quote. During this period of loss and love, William's business endeavors were also reportedly taking some blows. From what I have gathered online, William began making bad investments and overall bad financial moves, including an eventually failing timber company. His banking business wasn't doing well either, with one resource claiming that William was once accused of partaking in, quote, dishonorable dealings, end quote. He was also apparently losing votes politics-wise, and all of these 
major life blows and changes began to take an effect on William's well-being. Reports claimed as William's finances dwindled, his anxiety and alcohol intake grew. The weight of life had begun to suffocate William to the point where he just had enough. William would reportedly take his own life in the committee room at the parliamentary building on the afternoon of October 12, 1898, at the age of 62. Not only did William's death in general rock the Larnick family, but it also created a great divide. William reportedly died without a written will, which when the breakdown of William's items began being discussed, shit began hitting the fan. I don't know if anyone has told you today, but having a will isn't always a bad idea to have at any point in your life to avoid any kind of drama happening after you've gone. The surviving Larnick family members were forced to sell the castle in 1906. According to the castle's own website, the New Zealand government bought the castle for about £3,000. The castle was then reportedly used to house mental patients and for shell-shocked soldiers as a kind of makeshift institution slash hospital. By 1918, the castle would lay vacant until 1927 when Mr. Jackson Purdy purchased the castle in a private sale. Many updates apparently took place at this time, including the installation of a showplace filled with antiques and electricity being connected. The castle would exchange hands when Mr. Jackson Purdy's health would decline before 1940, and after it left Mr. Jackson Purdy's hands, it would support about 80-some-odd U.S. soldiers as temporary housing in 1941. Then, in 1967, Larnick Castle would be purchased by its current owners, being the Barker family. The Barker family would spend a lot of time, money, sweat, and probable tears into restoring the castle to what it is today. Today, curious cats can explore and stay at the Larnick Castle, learn its history, and just enjoy the extravagance of the grounds. Speaking of visiting Larnick Castle, I think it's perfect time to segue into some occult observations before getting into the reported haunts. For those tuning in to Weird Distractions for the very first time, hi! Hopefully you're still enjoying the episode. Occult Observations is where I read the good, the bad, and the downright weird online reviews involving the spooky locations I cover. Usually I try to read at least two negative and two positive reviews per location. I'll kick things off with the negative reviews just so we can end on a high note. The first occult observation is from user Nath2001. They posted this five months ago on Google Reviews and they left one out of five stars. The occult observation reads as follows. Let's be real here. One, by definition, it's not a castle, it's a house. So first of all, misleading name. Even so, Larnick House was less than mediocre. Number two, the story is that a rich bloke from Australia late 1800s moved to New Zealand and built a house that matched his uncles in England. That was a house, not a castle. Number three, much love to the Barker family, but not everyone shares your obsession of the Larnick family. And it's a shame to have to pay $39 to find out that the money is simply supporting the renovation of your personal obsession that bears no historical significance to anyone anywhere. Number four, nice gardens. But my grandmother had nice gardens. She never charged anyone to see them. Number five, don't waste your time here. Go see the penguins, seals, and enjoy the drive, but bypass the sad excuse for a tourist attraction. Even the scones were mediocre. End of occult observation. 
listen, Nath, 2001, maybe places like this just aren't for you. Like, I would hate to see what you would think of just a regular museum. I don't know. You sound like a, a very roller coaster kind of person, if you ask me. Anyways, the next occult observation is from user Pumpa11. They posted this on February 18th of 2009, and they left three out of five stars on TripAdvisor. The occult observation reads as follows. We stayed in the stable's accommodation, and my wife and sister-in-law were silly enough to ask if there were any ghosts there. More silly was a staff member who then recounted a few ghost stories and what happened in what room. Needless to say, my wife was extremely scared and was convinced that something was in her room. I must admit that I was a bit unnerved when I left in the room by myself and heard some weird noises going on. My wife even woken me one night with, what was that? Long for all this, the castle and stables has a ton of charm. We had the three-course dinner in the castle and loved the experience. The castle is good, interesting to look around, and the gardens are beautiful. You have to pay 25 New Zealand dollars just to get in to see the castle and the gardens, so the price of the stables overnight is great value as you don't have to pay the admit fee as mentioned. Postscript to my review, when we return home and had time to look at our photos, I have one of our room in the stables which shows two clear distinct glowing, or glowing orbs in the air of the room. My wife tells me this is how ghosts are picked up in photos, and then in brackets, I'm a skeptic. But believe it or not, of all the 629 photos I took in New Zealand, this is the only time these two orbs appeared in the photo. End of occult observation. I have to say, I love when a skeptic turns a little bit of a believer, and that's what it sounds like in this situation. Now moving on to some of the positive occult observations. The first one is from user Peter S. They posted this in May of 2022, so just last May. And Peter S. left 5 out of 5 stars on Google reviews. The occult observation reads... Such a cool place with some very interesting history. Such a cool place with some very interesting, and a little grim, history behind it. Who knew you could actually stay here at the Stables Lodge as well? The staff were very friendly, and the views were well worth the visit slash stay. Would recommend a little light reading on the history of the castle and grounds before visiting to make it a bit more interesting when exploring. End of occult observations. Now onto the final cult observation, which is from user Danita Knight. They posted this in March of 2015, and they left five to five stars on TripAdvisor. The occult observation reads as follows. I have known Larnet Castle since I was a child and watched it go from semi-derelict to the award-winning attraction it now is thanks to the hard work of the current family owners. A word of warning, this is not a castle in the European sense, more like an English manor house. It has wonderful furnishings and design, beautiful gardens and views. It has some serious spooky history with several family tragedies leaving ghosts that have been seen haunting the rooms. Well worth a visit and has a restaurant for me or snacks. End of occult observations. Speaking of meals and snacks, I think it's time to get into the dessert of this distraction being the reported haunts.
Given this location's history, it doesn't really shock me to learn that folks are claiming to experience paranormal phenomena at Larnick Castle. One of the first paranormal accounts I came across in my research dates back to 1994. Apparently one night, there was a play based on the Larnick family called Castle of Lies being premiered in the Grand Ballroom. According to reports, as the guests were eagerly seated, a big gust of wind started blowing outside. Then, smoke from the ballroom's fireplaces blew down the chimneys and sent fine white soot through the air, followed by heavy rain and hail commencing outside. Margaret Barker, owner of the Larnet Castle, recalled the evening as follows, quote, the drapes were flying everywhere, and just at the point where Larnick was about to kill himself, a flash of lightning shot through the room. Afterwards, at dinner, I heard people asking if it was a stage effect, but the stage manager was adamant that it wasn't. Larnick might have been watching, end quote. Now, this could have just been a coincidence, but yet it's a bit of a weird and eerie coincidence, isn't it? Other paranormal phenomena includes reports of folks hearing and witnessing doors open and close on their own. People have also allegedly reported unexplained smells of cigar smoke and port in unoccupied rooms. Phantom scents are one thing, but seeing something paranormal like an apparition is a whole other bucket of worms. A flurry of reports have claimed to see a bearded apparition of a Victorian period gentleman wandering around the lower floor, particularly around the ballroom and the billiards room. Many believe this is William keeping an eye of his former pride and joy being the castle. William didn't die in the home as we know, but much of his life tribulations took place within those walls, so it comes to no surprise that his spirit may continue to wander the halls of his former camp. Another apparition that is claimed to be seen wandering around the building is William's first wife, Eliza, or at least that's who people think it could be. I couldn't find much definitive information as to why people think this is, but alas, I figured I would still mention it. Speaking of William's wives, apparently on the second floor in what was Constance's room hangs an old Victorian-style dress, which was once Constance's. For those wondering why she had her own room, apparently William and his wives had separate bedrooms during their marriages. Supposedly, those that enter Constance's room while touring the building have reported the room being noticeably cooler in temperature in comparison to other rooms. This could just be a case of this room maybe not being as insulated, or it could be a paranormal phenomena, as there's a theory that spirits have the capability to alter temperature. People also entering Constance's old room have felt an overwhelming feeling of being unwelcome. Some think that this feeling is either attributed by the spirit of Constance not wanting people in her former personal space, while others think it could be Eliza, whose anger from beyond the grave echoes to those of the living exploring another woman's room in what used to be her and William's home. The paranormal phenomena has also probably became physical with some resources noting how visitors and workers at the castle have claimed they have been suddenly pushed by an unseen force. According to the YouTube video by user The Speakeasy, other weird, unexplainable happenings include lights flickering on and off with no explanation, animals acting bizarre at random on the grounds to some kind of unseen presence within empty rooms, folks reportedly witnessing orbs or half-formed silhouettes showing up in photos or videos, as we've mentioned in one of the occult observations mentioned today. People have reported feeling like they're being watched while wandering the grounds end within the castle. On top of 
of that, people have reportedly felt bouts of claustrophobia. There have been accounts of apparitions of folks appearing disheveled, confused, and lost, with some having chalked this up to being maybe a former ghost of those who once called Larna Castle home during the war or as the building's time as an institution. There have also been reports of people hearing children playing up and down the hallways, but upon further investigation, there are no children doing as such anywhere in the building. And if that's not creepy, toy balls have been alleged to roll from darkened areas to select visitors. In other words, if you get a toy ball rolled to you out of nowhere, you're the chosen one. If you're wondering my thoughts on all of that, there's a lot to digest in terms of paranormal phenomena at Larnet Castle. This haunt appears to be residual, meaning previous events that are being replayed over and over, minus some of the physical stuff that I'm not sure what's going on there. But to expand on residual hauntings, let me read you a direct quote from the Haunt website, which the link for this will be in today's show notes via the Google Doc. Quote, a residual haunting is not a ghost, but a replay of a past event. This is like a recording that can play many times, and the story always unfolds in the same way. The person in a residual haunting is completely unaware and unaffected by your presence. This is because it isn't a spirit or a ghost, but the echo of an event that once passed. When a traumatic event occurs, a building sometimes absorbs these events, which are replayed. They often play back at the same time of day or on the same day of the year. End quote. Based on this information, and just in general the information we've talked about today, it seems like the Larnick family and others that once called this building their home have never really left. Unfortunately, there is one thing that has to leave, and that's me. So let's wrap up this week's distraction. Larna Castle, which technically, yes, isn't actually a castle, but regardless, it has seen its fair share of loss, scandal, and hardship. Because of this, and because it is an over 150-year-old building, some have made claims that Larna Castle is the most haunted place in the entire country of New Zealand. But what do you think, listener? Does this location seem as haunted to you as people hype it up to be? Would you dare enter the doors of Larnet Castle? And on top of those questions, do you think that Larnet Castle is as haunted or more haunted than King Seat Hospital? Let me know your thoughts on today's topic over on the podcast social media accounts or shoot me an email. If you've ever been to Larnet Castle and are comfortable sharing your experiences for a future Listener Distractions episode, feel free to send it my way. If you've enjoyed today's Weird Distractions episode, please consider telling your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone else who will listen about the show. You can tell them to find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, Google Podcasts, Podchaser, and many more. If you're streaming Weird Distractions or any podcast on a podcast platform that allows you to leave a rating or review, please consider leaving a rating or review because that is the best way and the cheapest way, because it's free, to support your favorite podcasts. Another way to support the show for free and to never miss an episode is to follow along on the show's various social media accounts. You can find Weird Distractions over on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. My handle is at WeirdDistractI1 and on TikTok. 
Do you want to financially support the show and get yourself a little something extra each month? Why not join one of two tiers over on the Weird Distractions Patreon? Each month, you get exclusive content, such as bonus episodes and bonus series, such as the Even Weirder series, the Weird Destinations travel posts, plus early and ad-free access to regular feed episodes. You can find out which tier is best suited for you by going to www.patreon.com slash weirddistractionspodcast. Shout out to my current patrons, aka my weird little family members, Tom, Bailey, Angela, John, Alicia, Lynn, Susan, Jennifer, Shadow, Courtney, and Cheryl. I love you and appreciate your support so much. Without you, Weird Distractions may not be what it is today. Lastly, I want to hear from you. I would love to collect your stories of paranormal encounters, too close to home true crime cases, maybe even some weird MLM experiences, or maybe just in general weird things that you've encountered so that I can continue to release the Listener Distraction series. And you might be tuning in for the first time and you might not know what I'm talking about. This is a series that Christy and I originally started where we would read your personal experiences on air. If you have a story you want to share, please email me at weirddistractionspodcast at outlook.com. As well, send me feedback. If there are any corrections needed to be made after today's episode, please let me know. And as always, if you need a distraction, I got you. Bye. Bye.